But what Matthew seems to be doing there is saying, hey, once you've seen Jesus, the whole Old Testament takes on a new color. It takes on a new shape. It, it, it finds its answer in him. You can't unsee it once you see it. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right, all right, all right. Is that, can I start that way? Is that okay? Are you Matthew McConaughey? Shopping block. Here we are. Super Bowl week, Pastor Andy. It is Super Bowl week. Do you have your Super Bowl pick? Is it in? Chiefs, baby. Yeah. I saw I saw a great post this morning with a picture of Brock Purdy walking in with his backpack D- or duffel bag duffel and saying, is it e- either he's getting ready for a Super Bowl or he's getting dropped off for the youth group lock-in? <laughs> It's awesome. That dude's, the the disparity between his contract and Patrick Mahomes is pretty alarming. Yeah, I mean, dude's still in his rookie contract. Great story, but give me the Chiefs. Great story. Yeah, but it seems like a sweet kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a fun week. Uh, excited to jump into the Sermon on the Mount this Sunday. You're going to be kicking us off. Getting it. That's a new sound effect, folks. Just so you know, we have sound effects, and uh, we're going to be jumping into the Beatitudes, and you're going to be helping us think through how to approach the Sermon on the Mount, this really important passage, longest passage of teaching we have from Jesus. Probably the most widely read sermon or portion of Scripture in history. And really important and also in some ways dangerous because there's maybe right ways to approach it and wrong ways to approach it. But that's for next week, and we'll wait on that. But this week, we finished out chapter 4 and looked at kind of the, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, the message he was preaching of repentance and the, f- and the kingdom of heaven and drawing near, him calling the first disciples and kind of just a overall description of what his ministry looked like in Galilee at that time. But, but maybe we'll end talking about some of that. I think maybe the most helpful thing for us as we end the first four chapters in, in kind of the major book here, the first major book of the Gospel of Matthew, is just to talk more about what God, what Matthew's been doing. You know, you have in chapter 4, the text you preached this week, uh, verse 14, well, I'll just read 12 through through 15 here. When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then you have the prophecy here. But this this phrase, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. You know, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of, a shadow, of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This phrase... This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet has happened several times already. Seven times so far? Seven times. Yeah, I mean, you've got this one. You've got uh, uh, 2.17. 2.17 from 
Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping. Right. Great right. mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. Give chapter one. Now all that t- took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will give his name Manuel. You have two five. In right. Bethlehem of Judea, they told him because this was what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. So Matthew is trying to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament expectations. And really, I mean, I think what he's doing is saying he's the fulfillment of all of the longings and hopes of the Old Testament, that all of the prophets were pointing toward him. Right, right. And it's interesting because Matthew was writing to primarily a Jewish audience, correct? Most believe that. Yeah. And... In some ways, his is the most one of the most Jewish gospels in the sense that he quotes the Old Testament the most, um, and but you also have him taking these passages that that others might have interpreted for things like, for example, your text this week from chapter four. Other interpreters might have already seen this prophecy being fulfilled in the the people coming back to northern Israel after the. The Assyrian, Assyrian invasion, yep. Assyrian exile, right? Yeah, right? So you have Matthew seemingly reinterpreting or maybe further interpreting some of these prophecies. So wh- wh- what what's going on there with some of that? Yeah, Bruner, Bruner had that great line where he says, that might have been a filament, but Jesus is the fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and it kind of gets us into a theory of interpretation, uh, which is multiple fulfillments. Um, the idea that there were oftentimes a near fulfillment to a prophecy and a far fulfillment. Um, in other words, there were there were multiple fulfillments that took place around certain prophecies. Um, you know, Paul makes this most explicit when he writes to the Corinthians that in him, in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Right. That. Um, Christ is the ultimate. He is the anti-type of all of the types. He is the ultimate fulfillment of all of the promises. Um, it Really, the whole Bible takes shape around him. It's interesting if you go back and begin to dig into some of the contexts of these passages that Matthew is quoting. Um, some people, like most people, wouldn't have even read all of them as messianic. Right. You know? Uh, but what Matthew seems to be doing there is saying, hey, once you've seen Jesus, the whole Old Testament takes on a new color. It takes mm-hmm. on a new shape. It, it it finds its answer in him. You can't unsee it once you see it. Um, so, yeah, the, the one that we looked at Sunday, you know, this prophecy of Isaiah that after um, these northern Israelites are taken captive— that there's going to be a day of hope that dawns, a light that shines in the darkness. Uh-huh. And most people took that as their return. Um, now Matthew sees Jesus beginning his ministry in northern Israel in this area. And he goes, no, he's the one who's the light shining in the darkness. Yeah. he's the He is the true dawn of hope for these people. Yeah. And for the nation. I mean, same thing with, you know, in chapter 2. Jeremiah prophesies of, you know, 
the people of Judah weeping and mourning. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Babylonian invasion in 586. He's talking uh-huh. about, you know, Judah being ransacked by the Babylonians. But Matthew reads that story in light of Jesus, and he goes, there's a greater fulfillment of this picture that Jeremiah gives, namely when Herod had all of the sons of Israel murdered that were two and under because he was trying to kill Jesus, the Messiah. And so, so Matthew's giving us a way to read the old Testament. He's giving us a way to put the whole Bible together in a very Christocentric, very Jesus centered way. Yeah. And, and we've, we've discussed this some and we're actually potentially, we're going to preach a whole sermon about it, but, but not only is he telling us that these prophecies were pointing ultimately to Christ, he's also retelling the story in some ways with Jesus, right? He's, and, and that's not something you could maybe, if you didn't know the, the, the whole narrative of the scriptures, if you didn't know the story of redemption, you might not connect that right away, but can you help us see some of what Matthew's even doing that in retelling the story of Israel? Yeah, in fa- Jesus, fancy word here, recapitulation. Yeah, um, he's recapitulating the story of of redemption, um, and holding forth Jesus as now the truer and greater fulfillment of of the story. And so, we see this probably most clearly in the way that he puts these first four chapters together. Uh huh. You know, starting with the genealogy that goes back to son of David, son of Abraham. So he's tying Jesus to these promises of blessing um, and of kingship. And he's holding Jesus forth. He's saying the genealogy now leads us to this guy, Uh Jesus, you know, son of Joseph, uh, who is the Christ. Like so he's taking us back to that story, the, the story that starts with the people of Israel, Abraham, who's the father, who is given the, the promise of blessing. You'll be a blessing to the nations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly that leads to David um, and the promises of the Davidic covenant that David's going to have a, a son who sits on the throne forever, but it's predicated upon obedience yeah. and this father-son relationship. Right. Yeah. And Matthew's holding Jesus forth and going, he is the, he's the son of God, son of David, who's going to sit on the throne forever. Right. So you have that piece of it. And then you have Matthew using these um, Old Testament passages. Of what happened in uh, in Israel out of Egypt? I've called my son. Right. Right. Um, he was calling the nation of, of Israel out of captivity. He now centers in on Jesus, who had to flee to Egypt because of Herod being called out of Egypt, right? Yeah, like and Israel. Yeah. Like Israel. And then um, Israel is called out of Egypt through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, this great miracle. And then through the Red Sea, they enter into the wilderness. And then the way Matthew tells the story, Jesus passes through the waters of baptism. Mm. You know, and there's this. You know, the waters part in the Red Sea, the heavens part, you know, as the Father speaks over Jesus and the, and the Spirit descends, it's 
again, this miraculous moment right? Um, where God speaks his blessing and his approval over Jesus. And then immediately Jesus enters into the wilderness, you know, where he's tested. And so Jesus is being held forth as a truer son. He is, yeah. he's the true son of God. Israel, the son of God, failed in the wilderness, right? Yeah. They, they, they put the Lord God to the test. They doubted. They grumbled. Jesus passes the test. Yeah. You know? And so he's being held up as the fulfillment. You know, how, do the, how does the blessing that goes to the nations, you know, that God promised to Abraham come to fruition? Well, through passing the test, mm-hmm. through obedience, um, through submission to the Father's will. Well, that's Jesus in the wilderness, right? And then immediately the Spirit leads him out of the wilderness. And what does Jesus do? Well, he ascends a mountain. And if in, in the original language, it's actually he ascends the mountain, right? Yeah. And in Exodus, it's called the mountain of God. Yeah. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think that's an accident. Like Matthew is going, Jesus is the truer and greater Moses who now ascends the mountain like Moses. Um, it's, it's, you know, and then Moses receives the law of God on the mountain, and Jesus takes this rabbinical posture. Yeah. And he begins to say things like, well, you've heard it said. Mm. Well, he's quoting the law. But I say to you, yeah. and he gives us the true fulfillment or the true interpretation of the law. I mean, what Matthew is doing is so explicitly clear if you know the Old Testament story right. and you're paying attention. And and there was this expectation, Deuteronomy 18, there's a prophecy that the people of God really latched onto after Moses' death, that there, there will come one from among you who will be like unto me. Moses prophesied this. Yeah. like So they were looking for this prophet like unto Moses. In other words, as great as Moses yeah. or maybe even greater. Um, and there just never appeared another figure like Moses in the rest of the Old Testament. And there were, there were certain expectations attached to that. Like Moses, through Moses came manna in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, and through Moses came water from the rock. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus shows up and he multiplies some barley biscuits and sardines and feeds this massive crowd. And what's the response? You get this in John's gospel. What's the response to Jesus? This is the prophet. Yeah. This is the one we've been looking. This is the Moses guy. Yeah. That we've been waiting for. You know, in John's gospel, what's Jesus's first miracle? He turns water into wine. He ups Moses. Yeah. Moses, Moses provided water. Jesus provides <laughs> wine. And it's the good wine. Mm-hmm. Jesus is best for, or God's best for last. You know, and so I think what Matthew's doing is profound and significant. He's so, he's yeah. he's saying, "Hey, this Jesus guy is a greater Moses. He's a greater Israel. He enters into that story and he completes it." Yeah, man, that's so good. <laughs> I hope you listen to that, and I hope maybe that opens your eyes for the first time ever to hear kind of that way of reading and thinking about what Matthew is doing. And once you, I mean, Andy says this all the time, but once you see it, you can't not see it. Yeah. Like once you see it, you start to read the gospels, you see, Oh my goodness, over and over again, they're trying to tell you that this whole story is about Jesus. 
this whole thing has been pointing to his coming, his life, his death, his resurrection. It's all been barreling towards this moment in history. And, man, it just opens up the Bible. And it's so much better. The, the way you just described Jesus is so much better and fuller and deeper than some sort of American evangelical Jesus that airdrops into history apart from his Jewish roots and he just becomes my friend. Like, like no, he, 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 he's the Messiah of Israel. And that's really good news for us because God's been planning this from eternity past. Yep. All of these promises made are going to be promises kept right. by Jesus. It just, it, it enriches the Bible though. Like it, you know, you read the Bible in a different way. Right. And, and maybe something to just help you is like there are, there are times where we read the New Testament and there are explicit quotes from the Old Testament. You know, Matthew's doing that here, yep. you know, in these first four chapters. Um, and even there, I think we we maybe don't completely understand what's happening. I think for some of us, we may have like this very bomb shelter or this, this very like uh, grenade sort of a, way of understanding prophecy where it's like there's this you know there's this promise or this picture and it has to be fulfilled one for one old testament to new testament very Mm -hmm. explicitly almost like scientifically yeah you know and there 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 are a few of those um but often what's happening with a quote from the old testament is and we see the we saw this with jesus in the temptations jesus is taking us back to the story and he's saying, man, go read that story. So I'm going to quote you a verse. I don't want you to just read that verse. I want you to go back and read the whole context of that verse. Right. I want you to re-enter into that story. That's what Matthew's doing. And then going, hey, now now that you understand the context of that verse, bring that into what's happening here and see how Jesus completes that yeah. that story. He's, he's re-entered that story and he fulfills it. So there's there are times where there's explicit quotes. We need to go back and, and read the context and then import that context into the current context of the New Testament. But oftentimes the New Testament doesn't explicitly quote. Yeah. It alludes to a passage or there's an echo mm-hmm. of a passage. Like, oh, that kind of reminds me of of this story or we oh. see, Yeah, we see that in the baptism of Jesus a little bit. Like the the things that are echoed there aren't Explicitly stated, but drawn back to the servant in Isaiah and the son in Psalm 2. Yeah. So there are these themes that keep reemerging, you know. So there are echoes from the Old Testament that show up in the New Testament. And then we also, we need to have a working understanding of the concept of of types, of typology. Yeah. Um, Which a type is a person, a place, an event, or an institution in the Old Testament that points forward to Christ in the New Testament. Um, so we, we can see this in people. We can see this in events. We can see this in institutions. We have to have a working understanding there because if if what we're saying is true, that the whole Bible's about Jesus, then God was intentionally putting these things in place as pictures yeah. of the coming Messiah and the work that he would accomplish and when we begin to see that, it changes the game for how you read the Old Testament. 
and we we already we already know this to some degree, right? Like you can't read the Abraham story with Isaac, you know, on Mount Moriah. You know, who's going to provide? Well, God will provide a sacrifice. You know, and he takes his son. God tells him to sacrifice his only son, the son of promise, the son of covenant. And just as he raises the knife, God spares him and provides a ram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't read that story and not think of Jesus, that God did not spare his only son. Yeah. As Paul would say, it, but freely gave him up for us all. You know. Clearly, God's calling a shot there, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Why put that story in the Old Testament if, if it's not pointing forward to something? Right. You know, that's one example. Yeah. Um, Leviticus is a really hard book to read until you begin to see Jesus in it. Yeah. And you begin to recognize that at the very, at the very heart of the Torah is Leviticus, right? Uh-huh. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So there's five books in the Torah. Right at the heart of the Torah is Leviticus. You know, this, these meticulous codes for sacrifice and and being ritually, ceremonially clean before God. And then right at the center of Leviticus is the Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. You know, and who fulfills that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and when you start to see that, you're like, oh, snap. Like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, if you're not reading the whole Bible with Jesus at the heart of it, you're just missing out. That's right. And, and what I would say to you is, like, Matthew is showing us a way to read it. You're actually not following the example of the apostles. The apostles are setting forth a way to read the Bible. Yeah. And so you're you're not reading the Bible apostolically if you're not reading Jesus at the center of it. Yeah. Man, God's so good. The Bible's so cool. I hope you realize that. Maybe you don't see the Bible as cool yet, but I pray the Spirit will help you see that. Um and I think maybe just to finish, you know, we touched on this a little bit last week. I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week with the Beatitudes, but it's just really good news that what Matthew is not mainly doing is giving us, or what Jesus is not mainly doing in, in this gospel is giving us a way to live. He is giving us some ways to live, but that's not the main thing he's doing. He's living for us. He's giving us his life. Yeah. Yep. He's living the life we couldn't live. Union with Christ, man. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Yeah. I mean, it's good news that that the temptation story in Matthew 4 is not just giving you a method for defeating Satan in and of your own ability. Jesus is defeating Satan and has defeated Satan for you. And that's really good news. He disarmed the authorities. Yeah. And then he says, I want to give you this life. Yeah, and and certainly attached to that is the power sure. to actually live. Right, and, and we'll definitely get into that when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. I mean, the gospel order is I can't. Jesus can and did yeah. for me. By faith, I receive that. And through faith, I receive the Holy Spirit who now empowers me to begin to live this way. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to be so quick to run to how to live. Right. 
we need to we need to sit we need to soak in in the doneness. <laughs> That's right. You know, of I love the gospel. It. Um, yeah, fundamentally, Christianity is not do; it's done. That's right. And then you live out of that done. That's really good news. Well, this this way of thinking about and reading the Bible will really unlock your study, your time just sitting in God's Word. And so, uh, if you have more questions, we hope you'll ask them. You know, we've got a series coming up this summer, the Questions We're Asking series, and you can see that on the newsletter. If you've got questions about the Bible, if you've got questions about culture, if you've got questions about uh, life, faith, we, we, we want to know, and we're going to try to identify themes to preach on this summer, and and uh, it'd be great to have more questions from you guys. So, excited to get into the Sermon on Mount this week. Bring them. Bring them, bring them, bring them. And what we're talking about as we close here, like we're not talking about Bible codes here, right? We're not talking about like trying to find some hidden hidden message. What we're saying is like the whole book's about Jesus. It's about him. Um, And so instead of starting with what am I supposed to do, you know, which is how a lot of us, or here's what this means to me. Right. How we're tempted to read the Bible. Start with who is God in this in this passage, and what has he done for me in Christ? How does this passage point me to Jesus? Start there, and then you can start to ask the questions of, now in light of that, yep. who does this make me, and how should I live? That's so good. Well, we hope you guys have a great week in Christ, and we'll see you next time. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.